is Bloomberg Surveillance. We think we're heading into an 80s and 90s type environment where it's a Warren Buffett slash Peter Lynch type world where you buy good companies and you stick with them. We live in a world which is more and more weightless. Intangibles are such an important part of the economy. I think it's pretty clear that if you only looked at the economic data and not at the markets, the Fed would be raising rates in March. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keen Worldwide. Bloomberg Surveillance. We welcome all of you on Bloomberg Radio Plus. I'm Bloomberg. Thrilled that you listen on iTunes, our podcasts that are out there. Bloomberg 1200 Boston, Bloomberg 1130 New York, down to Washington, 99.1 FM. And good morning, good early morning on the West Coast. And across Sirius and XM Channel 119 and Bloomberg 960, the Bay Area. In this uh, half hour, in this hour, uh, I, I think I can say it's the beach read of the year for thinking people. Jeff Garten to join us from his Yale University, and we'll talk about uh, what we don't know about globalization and what we need to know as well. Bloomberg Surveillance, brought to you by Cohn Resnick Accounting Tax Advisory, to seize opportunities in commercial real estate. Your business needs market-focused guidance from the industry-leading experts at Cone Resnick. Find out how at ConeResnick.com. Michael, you okay over there? Peyton Manning I'm, retiring? Yeah, I'll survive. You're going to survive? I'll survive. I mean, it, uh, we're, we're glad he gets out while the getting is good. Dean Garten, uh, Michael is sedated after rooting for the Bloomberg, uh, the Denver Broncos. We call them Bloomberg Broncos as well. Um, from Silk to Silicon, Jeffrey Garten, the story of globalization through 10 extraordinary lives. I want to get to the book, but first, I have to talk about this political process and the discourse. You teach with Steve Roach up at Yale. Roach gives out C's. You give out A's. We know how the dance goes. And when you talk about Wall Street in Washington, I go back to I'm sitting with the son of arguably the most decorated military officer of America in the last century, your father, right. who fought in three wars, World War II. He was at Pork, uh, Pork Chop Hill in Korea. He was in Vietnam as well. Your head must be, forget about the politics, your head must be spinning at the discourse that your father served in three wars to get us to this point. Well, you know, my father died a couple of months ago, and uh, he died in his, in his sleep, which I was grateful for. And I'm, I'm glad he died when he did. I think if he were, were watching the primaries now, yeah. um, he'd, he'd burst a, a, a coronary. Because, you know, he and, 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 and his comrades... They fought for an America that is a lot different than the one that is being discussed. They fought for a country that was a leader on the global stage. They fought for a country in which um, immigrants came in and had upward mobility. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm third generation. My father was second generation. My wife's parents were second generation. Our grandparents all came from somewhere else. And um, that's what that's what this country stood for. And those wars were fought to defend a way of life that was an open that was an open society that basically said to the rest of the world, um, we can take you and we can do some great things. But that's not the discourse mm. that that exists now. Uh, we we got to get to your book, but I got to follow up and ask: How did that cha- change? How did we get to a country where people are so afraid? Of the rest of the world, I think we drop. I think we became very complacent. That is, for if you look at the end of the Second World War, I mean, when my father came back from 
the Pacific. Um, there was no country in the world that could challenge us. We basically created, and Tom alluded to this before, you know, a world, we created the rules. It was an open global economy. It was open to our companies, which were the most powerful in the world. Um, we had the best education system. We had the best technology. And so we could flourish in that global economy for a long time. But somewhere around the 90s, um, a lot of other countries began to catch up. And we were asleep at the switch. And I think now what we're realizing is that uh, we have a lot of work to do internally in order to continue to flourish, in, in order for most of our people to continue to, to flourish in this global economy. And that's what we have to do rather than close down. We were just uh, speaking with uh, Admiral James Tavridis from the uh, the Tufts School, and he said one of the most important things for a new president coming to office is to have good advice, good people around him. What advice would you give uh, the next president, whomever he or she is? What's the most important thing they need to do to change that? Well, I think if I had to put my finger on the single biggest thing, it's the workforce. If we have... If everybody is employed in decent jobs, I think many of the issues that we're concerned about will go away. Okay, we're getting to your book now in terms of the workforce. Globalization has affected the workforce in profound ways, and it's not as easy as saying we just want to, you know, get everybody into good jobs. That just doesn't happen. No, that's right. And they, But the thing is, the jobs of the future are not the jobs of the 1970s or the 1980s. And we need an internal system that is going to be able to prepare more and more people for these new jobs, whatever they are. I don't think we can know exactly what they'll be, but we need an education system that is far more effective. We need the most modern kind of infrastructure so that the economy is, is more um, um, competitive, and that itself will also generate lots of jobs. Um, and I think we need a, a kind of social safety net that allows people to be unemployed for a while while they're training for something else and not fall all the way down the rabbit hole. If you're just joining us, Jeffrey Garten, serving with Nixon, Ford, Carter, Clinton, and also serving in New Haven, Connecticut for decades. The book is From Silk to Silicon, a story of globalization through 10 extraordinary lives. Everyone yearns for technological progress that will provide investment, that will put American jobs for work. We did that with the underwater cable. My most enjoyable chapter of your book is linking the old world to the new world. Cyrus Field did that a zillion years ago, and we know it created a lot of jobs. You got Andy Grove of Intel later on. I believe he created a lot of jobs. Why can't we redux that in your 11th, 12th, or 13th person you would write about in five years? Well, I think we can. But let me just drop back and say what I tried to do in the book was to talk about globalization in a way that people could better understand and relate to. So rather than talk about big trends, I talked about people who did something really Thank you. they did something yeah. really spectacular. And they changed their world and they not they not only changed the world they lived in, but the impact was so great they continue to change ours. So let me let me comment on the two people you Please. mentioned. And I think you're absolutely right that uh, major breakthroughs can create all kinds of jobs 
that are future-oriented. So one of these chapters is about Cyrus Field, who um, lived in the mid-1800s. And he's the guy who built the transatlantic cable. Um, to tell you how monumental that was, um, on the day before that cable was ab- was, was um, constructed and was concluded, when, when it, it linked Europe and the U.S., on the day before, news traveled across the Atlantic no faster than it had for 4,000 years. That it, it, is, it was a question of the wind. On one minute, when that cable was actually uh, joined, we had real-time communication between the U.S. and Europe. And within two or three years after that, the entire world was wired. Think of think of the discontinuity. Mm. In fact, the transatlantic cable was a far bigger advance in civilization than the Internet. Because when the Internet came along, we already could look at our TVs and see, uh, you know, we could see Vietnam real time. So um, the incremental advance of the Internet was far less than going from zero to real time. Well, that's Robert Gordon's point in his in his book that uh, the big advances have been done, and now it's incremental change. Well, let's 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 come back to that. But I just um, I want to I want to reinforce Tom's point, which is that transatlantic cable was the forerunner of the radio, of the telephone, of the uh, and, and of the uh, internet, and so it was a huge job changer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it basically put the United States into a totally different era of global communications. Well, and you think about the jobs that were created with all the new cables that were, you know, being laid right. and all the equipment that went with it. But not only that, all the business that took place that couldn't right. take place before. Well, we're gonna, I, we're, I, well we have to come back. Okay. Uh, Jeffrey Garten with us of Yale University, his wonderful new book, From Silk to Silicon. Mike wants to follow up, I know, with a important uh, thought is, well, we will do that. From Silk to Silicon, the story of globalization through 10 extraordinary lives. Futures negative 7, Dow futures negative 38, a churn to the market. You see that the Monday. After Jobs Day, coming up, Jeffrey Garten, we'll talk to him about Andrew Grove. We'll talk to him about some of the other names that Michael McKee, I know, has some thoughts as well. Also, Jeffrey Garten on the potato basil frittata. We'll talk about that as well. First, let's check in with Michael Barr. We want to get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Vice President Joe Biden told American troops in the United Arab Emirates the U.S. will wipe out Islamic State militants in Iraq and Syria. Biden is on a Middle East trip. Biden also told the troops the U.S. has carried out 1,800 airstrikes against ISIS since October. The verbal battle between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders took a more pointed turn. At last night's Democratic presidential debate in Flint, Michigan, Clinton accused Sanders of turning his back on the auto industry. Sanders said Clinton's friends on Wall Street destroyed this economy. Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump says Nancy Reagan, the wife of a truly great president, was an amazing woman. She will be missed. Nancy Reagan died yesterday in Los Angeles at age 94. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. In more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? And Michael, thanks so much. Yields elevated off the jobs report on Friday. Uh, The tenure yield 1.90%. With Jeffrey Garten from Silk to Silicon. Bloomberg Surveillance.
The news update brought to you by Flushing Bank. Open a complete business checking account with $15,000 or more and get a free 16-gig Wi-Fi tablet. Visit FlushingBank.com for details. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender.